What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Vigilant Podcast. Lots of crazy stuff has happened. Um, if you have been a follower, you might have noticed we didn't do an episode for about a week. Um, it was just too crazy. I had ambitious plans in uh, California at the Sasser Conference, but it was just too crazy. I couldn't do it. So last week we went to Sasser Annual. It's the, where the web meets, where the cloud meets. Effectively, it's a giant B2B SaaS uh, meetup. <laughs> and I was super skeptical of it. Um, as I am of most large things, most popular things, but this was legit. A couple key takeaways. Um, the magic was in the networking. You know, the sessions are good, but I made a strategic decision. I'm like, I can either go watch the presentations or I can meet other people. I had work to do still, so I had such limited time, but um, went there and met a lot of great people. There was this awesome app that was integrated into the Sasser experience. So Sasser had their own app. First off, the conference was immaculately presented, um, really well coordinated, organized. Everything was just top notch. I got an, um, a free inclusivity pass, um, which, to be honest, was the only reason I went. If I didn't get a free ticket, I didn't want to justify another trip on the back of another uh, previous one. But I got this free ticket, and like, you know, I'm not one to play identity politics, but if you're giving away a free $1,000 ticket, I'm going to uh, apply. So I did, still paid for travel and, and so on and lodging, but um, I had this VIP badge, which opened up a lot of conversations, to be frank, and was kind of funny, but... I think there's going to be an opportunity next year to actually sponsor that. So I've been won over by the brand, and I'm really, really impressed by it. There was this app in Sasser's, you know, kind of event app called, how do I describe it? So you open up their app, and then inside there's a couple buttons that open up three or four different other apps that do different things that are from other companies. One of them was Braindate, which effectively brought um, – people together to discuss a single topic and so I hosted a brain date on the four stages of B2B marketing and had a few people show up that was really cool I think four was the max anyway um, and we discussed and I helped people right then and there set up a or think about a B2B marketing strategy and then the other one was Brella um, I think it was called Brella and it was like a real not a real time but in person networking app and so everyone kind of put their byline and what they were looking for, what they were offering. And you got to request meetings, 15-minute meetings, with anybody else on this app, ostensibly anybody at the conference. And there was a huge floor, I mean, enormous space devoted to these meetings with little placards of numbers on the tables. Uh, and the app would say, oh, we, you know, 1015 has been approved, go to table four or something like that. And you would meet a total stranger and you would talk. I met a great investor there 
that I really like, a venture capitalist, which if you follow me, I'm super critical of the venture capital industry, and then a potential business partner that I also really like. Um, it's going to be a tricky deal to put together, but if we do it right and it works out, we could shave years off of both of our um, strategic objectives and actually get a more valuable company um, or more valuable outcome in combined. So that was pretty cool. And then I met some other interesting folks, you know, just learning about what others are doing in the, in the industry. The, you know, there's a whole field or a whole room of vendors. So they did it really sm uh, intelligently where one of the main um, meeting halls or spe speaker halls, maybe the largest one, would um, fill through one exit and empty through another exit, which then put you into the vendor hall. And not only did it manage kind of traffic patterns better, but it also in guaranteed X amount of foot traffic for the vendors, whom I heard were paying hundreds of thousands of dollars um, for the top spot. And I was really impressed. One thing Silicon Valley, Silicon Valley has that other software, uh, just no one else has, is fantastic branding. And they will do the same thing sometimes that everyone else has been doing but they will brand it better and it will make more sense and it will be more appealing and it will be more seemingly valuable and so it was a great exercise in branding where you might be thinking of two competing solutions the one with the better brand can often beat the one with the better product because the better brand in what makes a brand better it intuitively conveys a superior positioning and so it's deemed a more valuable option and most people want to be around the more valuable option um, you know especially in industries where products or services can quickly become commoditized um, a good brand really does that and what makes a good brand it is an experience of authority that you are in this company's booth or speaking with this company's representative or reading a company's marketing collateral and without being told you are shown their authority and I think that's a really impactful thing in writing you know classes and in the writing world one of the base axioms is show don't tell so when you're writing a book you don't tell people that the hero feels sad you show it through describing their posture and their thoughts and their you know and their uh, their, their view of the what they're looking at and so on and so forth the the scene shows that you know in this case in this example the person is sad and what that does is that lets you fill in all the other details intrinsically like in, in instinctively and you actually create a much clearer picture because your brain is painting the picture versus being told the hero is sad. And when you say the hero is sad or you tell people what to think, you are limiting the picture clarity and size and depth because the words you're using are the only words that will be used to understand what they're what the person's looking at so sad 
is sad, right? Versus feeling lonely, versus uh, desperate and isolation, versus all these other things that the mind immense uh, instantly conjures up. And so, some of my favorite, I got all sorts of marketing collateral, and I love it. Um, some of my favorite stuff. So at the meeting tables, a lot of people left at the networking tables. A lot of people left um, marketing collateral that you could take a look at. My favorite one that I saw scattered from a non-official vendor um, was this one from Point Nine VC, the Angel VC, and it's a napkin. It's literally a napkin, like actually a napkin, and it is. Um, about SAS funding in 2018 and it breaks down the seed series A and series B and then annual recurring revenue valuation what else is down here um, round size team product market sales marketing and moats and it gives you a blueprint to have a discussion so for someone like me you know I've never raised money in Silicon Valley Silicon. I'm being I'm converted. I'm on I'm already using their um their verbiage. Um I quickly got to look at this. I'm like, wait a second. And so when your ARR is about a hundred thousand and you have no annual growth rate, the valuation is typically five to seven million and the round size is typically one to two million. Okay. I have a thumbprint or a blueprint, a rule of thumb for my discussions. So when I sat down with a VC who's seen a lot more deals than me, I now have some information that puts me immediately into their, allows me to enter into their context, if you will, of their deal sizes and whatnot. And that I'm looking for a seed versus a series A. A lot of times in all business and marketing especially, the words you use are very important because they show what, they show that you've been in the industry. And so just that little bit of knowing the average valuation and the average deal round size let me know where I was in the world, so to speak. And it gave me um, a reference point that I would have had to otherwise research or spend social capital learning. Oh, I told that guy our seed round was only 500000 That's outside of normal. And then they might say, why are you outside of normal? Or I told that guy we're raising $3 million. Oh, that's a little high. Why? Right, and so I just want to know where I am in 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 the grand scheme of things, and so stuff, you know, here I am talking about it, and here people are doing it. Uh, teach first, sell last. Right, let me put a website, sassnapkin.com. I love it. I love it so much that if I raise money, I'm gonna be sure to contact these people because I like the way they think, and marketing often does that. It lets you communicate your view of the universe by the words you use and the words you choose to not use right so these people are here to help and i can feel it through their they understand my problems they're here to help they have no uh flashy what would you call it booth but yet they helped me they actually helped me and when you are there to help and you actually help someone answer a question that they didn't even know they had or they didn't even know was that important um you become a an authority and a thought leader in their mind and this person did it i know they did it and yet they it's still true like i know they took a, 
authority, a thought leadership position of, and a position of authority in my brain. And uh, I'm totally fine with it because they helped me. And then my three other favorite marketing collateral pieces. Um, that is these books, man. Printing paperback books is coming back in Silicon Valley. And uh, you'll see it everywhere else because they're typically the tip of the spear. So this is a really, really, really good way to develop thought leadership without forcing any sales material down people's throats. So the first one I'm reading is called the Sales Handbook. And it's just a collection of blog excerpts. And it's a really, really, it's well printed, it's very well designed, but it's a really simple way to repurpose uh, existing content. And you have to edit it and you have to design it, but you know, there's charts that help me make sense of the world I'm entering, the SaaS world. I'm new to this space. So if someone can uh, position themselves as a guide when I'm in my taking my first step into the space, they've now hold a place, a special place in my world. And I'm going to reach out to them when I need. This is done by Intercom. It's a company that has those little chat bubbles all across websites. Um, I feel a sense of duty in repaying them if and when they help me through this book. It's the law of reciprocity in business. It's very powerful. Help others without expecting anything in return, and they will help back, uh, and they will feel obligated to help back. So this is another one I really love, specifically because it's big and it's hardcover. They took a lot of time to make this, and that means something to the newcomer in any industry. Um, subscribed. Why the subscription model will be your company's future and what to do about it by Tian Zhao, founder and CEO of Zora with Gabe Weis Weiser. So Gabe Weiser was probably the ghostwriter and uh, here's the business card of a sales rep. Love it. Um, and I think if I'm not mistaken Zora, Zora is a payment processor, effectively, and value-add payment processor for for subscription businesses. Um, I don't know if I'll need it, but I'm going to read this, and I'm going to love that someone took the time and effort to put their, take the information out of their brain and put it in a format that I want to consume. And if you don't put it in the format that people want to consume, they're never going to consume it, or they're never going to get deep into it. I want to read a book, and I want to learn and train myself on this topic. It's a perfect example. And then here's another one that I really like. How to hire. Boom. Simple. A founder's guide to recruiting. This is a simple, soft cover paperback. And there's oh, other people's stuff in there. Um... And it beats the hell out of a digital download every single time. This is by a company called Vettery.com. Um, and I talked to their reps. I really liked what they were doing. It's very interesting. Um, what these are all doing is giving you a framework to, to, cha uh, to, to tackle very challenging problems. 
And when you can give someone a framework, you are able to not only help them limit the noise and f and pick out the signal, which is takes a long time to learn how to do without training or without guidance. You're also helping them see the world inherently through your eyes and how you view the problem. And when you can help someone do that, you have created a brand advocate for life. Because if I read this, and let's say, let's say there's 10 schools of thought on how to hire, right? I'm sure this book differs than maybe a book by Harvard Business Review or a book by um, hiring consultant or HR consultant or a book by another competing company, right? Let's just say there's 10 different views on them. Let's just say there's three. Who cares? It doesn't matter. My point is, if I begin, th this book might be the only book I read on hiring because I need to solve the problem fast and move on to the next problem. And it might be a year or two until I come back to uh, the problem of hiring. Or I might, and in that case, I'll be another level or two higher. And I might hire, hire someone to help me. I might outsource it to a firm. Who knows, right? But bring on a partner to do it with me. My point being that this moment in time, I'm, I am... Um, impressionable and I know this and I'm and, I've, and I welcome it because I need and want someone else's framework to help me think about this complex problem and if their framework can simplify my life and provide mm, clear or measurable obvious benefit like oh man I, I read that book and then hiring became simple I hired someone great it could even be lucky right doesn't even need to be necessarily uh profound but my point is i will for some period of time long period of time be viewing hiring through the vetery lens and that means i will value vetery's perspective because now it is my perspective and i've invested in implementing their view of the world so now i've created a what would you call it their view is now my view so when they talk to me they will inherently be talking when their salespeople let's say talk to me they will inherently be talking to someone that sees hiring the same way and often that's the challenge of marketing is to help your prospects see the problem in your way through your frame because your frame is better or cheaper or faster or what have you. And when you have that, you can then talk sales. Um, if you don't have that, it's a very uphill approach to selling because there's no, you're not on the same page. So they have to educate you and then, um, and then sell you. So I thought that was really cool. That's the way to go. You're going to see a lot more paperback publishing. Stripe, the multi-billion dollar payment portal, payment processor, um, started a whole publishing wing because they like publishing so much that they are helping other people publish business-related books and uh, around you know founding and so on and so forth. And I think it's as things get more digital, like how many people have read front to back every word in a white paper that they've downloaded very 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 few people most of the time you're skimming the white paper for key facts and figures 
to you know help you with an immediate problem to, to to help you build that framework or you are vetting the company based and judging them based on the level of professionalism in the uh, white paper and whether or not it is representative of someone you want to do business with and you're kind of looking at via some sort of meta-analysis about how they view the world, what their framework looks like, let alone what it is and how to implement it. But when you print something in paper, people inherently value books. We all know it takes a lot of time and effort to create and publish and print a book. And they have to invest in X copies, and they have to hire copywriters. This isn't some white paper that was slapped together. This is has to be a, a more formal process that you know requires a lot of graphic design, copy editing, and so on. Um, and so online, we value eBooks because we value books. And if someone can give you a book for free without even asking you to pay shipping or sign up or anything, you sense inherently the value in the transaction. And you feel you're getting more value than the, you know, let's say in this case, the vendor is getting. That might not be true. It's more like delayed value versus immediate value. And so I think every company needs to think of them their marketing department as a publishing as a media and publishing um, company inside the larger brand and consider how first and foremost they can teach especially in the b2b world how they can teach their clients and prospects not even that let's go wider teach the industry um, new best practices to update and upgrade the entire industry knowing that if they do so some percentage of that buyer's universe that experienced their training will seek their guidance on you know implementing whatever solution is at hand and that comes back to this philosophy we've talked about before Teach first, sell last. It is critical in the internet world to teach first and sell last. If you're not willing to teach anybody, you are not worthy of the sale. That's the instinctual, um, what would you call it? The instinctual uh, frame that people approach these things. They don't want to be sold and then taught how to use the solution. They want to be taught how to use the solution and then decide whether or not they want to buy it. You know what I'm saying? And so it's very different than online sales. And yes, I do have bad hair, but it's Monday. We're doing the best we can here, folks, okay? <laughs> it's Monday morning. People. So now I have a nice stack of books. Um, you can also go the other way and publish um, full-blown books like uh, Jocko Willink has and use it as a brand building and revenue stream. So Jocko Willink published this book, Discipline Equals Freedom Field Manual, and uh, St. Martin's Press 
and it's on sale for $24.99, right? Now think about it. Someone who buys this book is even more likely than the person who takes this free book to reach out to Jocko Willink. Um, granted, they like what's inside. Once they need, you know, some once they have a problem that, uh, of the size and scope that Jocko Willink solves through his consulting firm, that's harder because the contents of your book has to be, um, you have to have, have, have an audience to distribute to. And if you go down the route, it's like you can use the free book to build an audience to sell another book in the future too. If you have the venture capital, you can invest in a free book to build the audience. If you are bootstrapped, it makes more sense to... Um, to God, that's driving me nuts. To um, print out a book for profit, there's nothing wrong with that at all. Um, it's a harder route though because you have to build the audience first, and you're selling a product to them. Now, that might be you know Stripe is doing that, but they have the audience. I think you can't go wrong from writing a free book and spend in investing a little bit in it and printing a couple you know hundred of them and providing them at trade shows it just you can't go wrong eventually you might want to sell your books but you know that's under his personal brand so it's doing something different i think if you're a business more than likely you should probably give it away for free if you can or sell it in stores um if it's possible and you might be thinking, well, what do I write my book about? If you don't know your audience well enough to know the kind of challenges that they have when they um, first begin thinking about the solution set that you offer, um, the set of solutions that you exist in, then you don't know enough about your audience. Because most people could talk like I'm doing for hours and hours and hours about the problems that their clients have because they're many and they're vast and they're deep right so it's a huge well and if you can't cover that 101 um, level of information then you're not a thought leader in your space because a thought leader has a surplus of information to share because they are so far ahead of their clients in understanding the um, challenge that they are selling a solution for that they their biggest problem is slowing down and coming down to their clients perspective you know and many of us i think are thought leaders but we don't realize it we don't we don't believe we are or we don't call ourselves we don't think of ourselves as such and it's a little hacky to view yourself as a thought leader but the fact of the matter is in b2b if you don't position yourself as a thought leader you're never going to be positioned as a thought leader. It's a very rare thing for you to launch something into the world that creates enough uh, ground, you know, swell of support for the market to, 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 to call you the thought leader. And you have to, in that case, more than like, more than not, rely on these really fickle network effects where you build something that people just love so much that they, um, pick you up and throw you on a chair and, and put you over their shoulders, you know. Um, and the fact of the matter is, if you're, if 
you're building something that's going to change the world or your industry, you pretty much know it from day one because you've been thinking about this problem for years and researching and testing and validating and building, and you know you have something really special. So have the guts to call yourself a thought leader and, you know, let someone else dethrone you. That's my current position. I sincerely, I know I'm a thought leader in this a ABM automation space because I've studied all the competition and no matter how many hundreds of billions of dollars their market cap is, uh, they're not doing it nearly as good as we're doing it. And we're doing it completely differently and we see all their flaws and we have these strengths that they don't even know about and so on and so forth. Um, and if you don't have the guts to position yourself as a thought leader and let someone attack that position and dethrone you if they so choose to and if they can, then um, then you're leaving money on the table, you're, uh, you're pr providing a disservice to your community, you are um, not trying as hard as you could because if you were trying as hard as you could, you would go for the top of the mountain. That's ultimately... Um, the blood and DNA inside of an entrepreneur, a business person, is that they got to be a leader and lead their tribe up the mountain to the peak where you can see everything much more clearly. And if you're not willing to take that position on, upon yourself and the responsibilities it entails, then you are forever destined to be a knockoff or someone else you know, a, a copy of someone else, uh, and, and there's nothing wrong with that, and maybe in time I will see that we all, you know, are thought leaders at different times in our lives, but um, you can always pick a small enough niche inside which you can be the thought leader, so if you can't, I, I think being, being the leader in whatever niche you find yourself in is more important than um, anything else. So find the niche that you can own and own it completely and wholly. And then in time, maybe you can uh, grow that brand out. So with that, I bid you all adieu. Uh, thank you so much to the team at Saster. I'm super impressed. A fan for life. You've won over a uh, evangelist um, with your uh, charity, ultimately. I can't believe I'm saying it. And uh, look forward to keeping you all updated on the uh, updates that we're going to be releasing. Most likely solely due, the ones anyway, there'll be some solely from this conference. So that should be exciting. Check out Vigilant.com backslash training for your free B2B marketing school. All right, everybody. Have a good rest of your week, your day. Talk to you tomorrow.